0: Thank you. I have to follow the Archbishop and follow lunch, and I'm before your confession. So I think we'll have an hour of examination of conscience. No, I'm Deacon Mark Sandersfeld, and I am married to my wife, Roseanne, who is here. Please stand. God has given me the greatest gift in my beloved wife. We have been married for almost 42 years. We have three adult daughters who are married and have their own families. They have given us eight grandchildren with one more on the way in August. We have been members here at St. Ludmilla since 2003. But before I start this presentation, I would invite you to pray with me to the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, You know, I love that prayer. The first time I heard it was on my CEW. But the Holy Spirit's been fundamentally important in my life and in our raising our children. So first I want to give you some background on us as a couple. As we started our journey as a couple under two different faiths. I was raised in Missouri Synod Lutheran. I went to church every weekend with my parents. My grandfather was the minister. I attended parochial school where my parents also attended. My parents wanted me to become a pastor like grandpa. I observed my parents and grandparents in various roles in the church. Prayer was important value in my life, although not consistent. Roseanne on the other hand was raised Catholic, They went to church every weekend and still do. Her father, too, was a convert. She attended St. Jude's School, and she observed her parents' involvement in various activities and ministries. Prayer was also important to Roseanne. So, back up a little bit. How did I meet a Catholic girl? Well, I just didn't seem to have what it took to keep a girlfriend so one Sunday in church I prayed to God if you want me to be married you're gonna have to put the woman in front of me (laughs) in about eight months he did just that but she was Catholic and I thought where is this going to go (laughs) Uh, this is kind of from my first homily little did I know we were married at St. Joseph and Marion in August of 1976. For five years, we stayed our birth faiths until our first daughter was born. After she, her birth, I investigated the Catholic faith and found that Vatican II had greatly changed the Catholic Church, contrary to what I was taught in parochial school. I became A Catholic in August of 1981, much to the disdain of my parents. As the Archbishop said, rules and threats of punishment don't work. And it was mostly from my mother, as I found out years later. My grandfather was our minister until I was in seventh grade. But Roseanne and I had the deep desire, which almost prevented us from getting married, to be a one-faith family. In May of 1982, we moved to Kansas City where we joined a parish close to where we lived. Since we were new, we did not get very involved until our next parish, which was a move to Blue Springs and St. John La Land. That took about two years. Shortly after joining the parish, we were noticed by our choir director as she sat behind us during one mass. After mass, she introduced herself and said, you are going to join my choir, thank you. (laughs) Sally had the unique capability of talking people into things that they did not want to do. But deep in my heart, I knew I had to say yes. I love to sing. At the time we had two of our three children, yet we found time to go to practice, to canter, and to sing at our parish, both in the choir and to canter. Well, about a year later, number three came along. And it was a little challenging for us to canter as a couple with three children, two under, or two of them under two or three. So it made a little bit of a challenge for Rose. So I would canter by myself, and at times I would be holding daughter number two, who was almost three, with my hand in her mouth (laughs) because she wanted to sing along with me. (laughs) Well, Lindsay now canters in her own parish. So, you know, our children experience what they experience through us. Our yes to Sally opened our eyes, not only to our witnessing to our children, but also the needs of our parish community. My first cousin also went to the same parish, and they were involved and attended the the parish Christian Family Movement group. So they invited us to attend. Their meetings also included babysitting, so it was a natural to go because the younger kids were babysat by the older kids. We were probably one of the youngest couples there. And the older couples were great mentors for us. They taught us what it was like when their kids were young, things that they had to go through. So they were kind of like our mentors. Most of them had made a marriage encounter weekend. So guess what? Rose and I made a marriage encounter weekend. In the fall of 1988, we attended our weekend. That weekend changed our lives forever. I still look back on it and go, wow, Lord, how could you do that to us? And it was a good to do to us. Our weekend brought us together as a couple and then eventually into the ministry of helping other couples find and rekindle their love for each other and for our church. Our children experience other couples' children, other Catholic couples' children, be that at our meetings or whatever we were doing. So they got to experience what a Catholic family was all about. See, I was a convert. I didn't know what it was like to grow up in a Catholic family. I knew the Lutheran families did. But Catholics had their other traditions and and celebrations. At times, our children would protest. Oh, do we have to go? But those protests we countered with, you're helping us help other couples to learn to love each other and their children better. And then our oldest, having experienced what we changed, after our weekend, and we really did change. In fact, she used to say, are you two kissing again? <laughs> but our love wasn't visible before that weekend. And that's the gift that Marriage Encounter does, do for couples. But we included them in our ministry, and then we pointed out times when we saw benefits for, from that ministry and pointed them out to them. Jennifer, our oldest, said she could still remember how we were before our weekend. So she understood. But our children also experienced many parishes around the Kansas City Diocese. Something that we did was we would go to Masses and talk during either the homily or after the homily. This was before the new change. (laughs) So we would invite couples to make a weekend for them and their family. So our children went along with us, and they got to experience all different kinds of parishes and all different kinds of priests. I remember one black church that we went to in inner city, Kansas City. On the way home, they were going, was that a Catholic church? I mean, it was mayhem at the sign of peace. It took 10 minutes for the crowd to finally settle down, because people from one side of the church went to the other side of the church, just to say the sign of peace with a friend. But our children also served alongside of us, and they experienced what serving in a ministry meant. They witnessed the power of marriage encounter when they saw the couples come off the weekend as we went to greet them, and they saw the love that those couples had, and the embraces those couples gave their children. That was a powerful conversion moment for many of us. They also witnessed Christ's involvement in this ministry. As we asked them to help do a lot of chores, be that packets, stuff envelopes, staple things for meetings, we taught them that they were serving the Lord as they helped us prepare for the ministry that we were to do. When our children had to do community service work for their religion class, they usually already had hours and hours of available time that they had already donated. They witness a church ministry, both in church and outside the church, from a very young age. Children will always question parents. Do you really believe in God? Our oldest, Your oldest child, now many of you already have your kids long, long gone, but our oldest child is our experiment of how to instill our faith into them. One night she asked if I believed in God, and I said, well, yes, I do, Jennifer. Then she asked how I knew that there was a God. I said, well, he sends us signs. There are things that happen that we just can't explain. And if you look back and take a note of those times, who else would have done that? And I could tell she was a little confused. And she goes, like what, Dad? I said, well, don't tell your mother this. I said, I was driving back from St. Louis after working all day in in St. Louis back to Kansas City. And I fell asleep with the cruise set about 75. And when I woke up, I had just enough time to swerve the car back into the right lane as I was driving down the shoulder. And there was a car parked about 100 yards in front of me. I said, Jennifer, if I hadn't woken up, I wouldn't be here for you. And I could tell she still didn't quite get it. She goes, well, so how how did that involve God? I said, well, who do you think woke me up. I said, the road had just been re-asphalted from shoulder to shoulder. It was smooth as glass. So nothing vibrated the car to wake me up. I just woke up in time to prevent my own death. So who woke me up? And she just kind of stood and stared at me, and I said, I think God sent me an angel to tap me on the shoulder to wake me up so you would have a father she did she, I don't know if she really understood that but it was the best story I had at the time because it had completely moved me <laughs> driving home I didn't fall asleep the second time I then shared another story of how God puts people in our lives that change the direction of our life I said what one of the times that I really felt a change by a person was Roseanne's first principal that she worked for. I was her paper boy when I was little. But as in high school, I got involved with a the community theater to do the technical direction. And she and a lot of the principals and superintendents and business people were part of the cast, usually. And she would always pay attention to me that Attention. Remember the three A's? Attention and affirmation. She gave me those gifts. So at a wedding reception, I always made a practice to sit down next to Mary and talk with her. Well, at one wedding reception, I was to her left. And she and I were talking. And then she goes, well, Mark, now that Roseanne's got her career launched, what are you going to do? At the time, I was a TV repairman. And I said, I don't know, my boss wants me to buy him out, but I don't feel like that's my calling. And she goes, "Whatever well, have you thought about going back to Iowa State? And I said, no. She goes, do. And being a very large woman, she turned her chair and started talking to the person on her right side. And I was just like, where'd that come from? Two weeks later I was at Iowa State investigating how to go back. So God puts people in our lives for a purpose, to guide us, to give us direction, and I truly believe that Jennifer as I told her this story, that Mary was a gift from God to me. I get choked up talking about this because she was such a marvelous woman, never married She had all the kids of the town, but she had the wisdom and the gift to look at people and challenge them to do more than they're currently doing. So teaching your children your faith is a lifelong project. And not just here. For I believe when we go to heaven, we can still pray, right? And I think those prayers affect us. Mary and Anne, that's Roseanne's aunt and mother. I think the reason I'm Catholic is because of their mother, well, as well as their prayers. She said a rosary so often that when she no longer was conscious, her mouth was moving, saying the rosary. That's the power of prayer. So anyway, these intercessions I have felt, and they have moved me as a convert to believe in intercessory prayer. Now if you look at all the theology between Protestants and Catholics, that is the big one that separates us. And yet, they still acknowledge the saints in heaven. But anyway, going back to teaching your children, Pray for your children, no matter how old they are. Maybe if they're not even here on earth anymore. Pray for your children. It kind of goes back to that Stephen Stills, Nash & Young song. Teach your children well. That song kind of echoed while I was writing this because I had seen something that reminded me of that song, and it was like, wow, have you ever looked at those lyrics? They're kind of different, but yet, they were right on the mark. It was during our ministry and marriage encounter that we developed many relationships with priests. Then as we became leaders of marriage encounter in Kansas City, we shared our leadership with a Vicentian priest named Father Rich O'Brien. Father Rich became part of our family. We met with him often, and often we would go to his house with our children. Father Rich always had treats for them and would entertain them with his Donald Duck impression. And oh God, could he do a Donald Duck. Since both of our grandparents were back here in Iowa, Father Rich was more like a grandfather to our children when they weren't present. He came to our house for supper for birthdays and even our anniversary, and he took the kids fishing. He even went to grandparents' day at a public school dressed in his black clerics. (laughs) And he explained, I'm just a good friend of the family. Father Rich taught our children and us many faith and life principles. All of these I still cherish to this day. One of those was the principle of life the respect for life. Every life here on earth, even those on death row, have got our God's precious children. And no one, not even the government, has the right to take a life. His words stating that only God can give and God can take life still echoes in my ears. My favorite phrase though of his was, all is gift meaning everything we enjoy in our lives are gifts from God eventually eventually we learn that this could also include some of the crosses that we carry there was a saying in marriage encounter especially under leadership that when we were experiencing a, a heavy burden or a cross during our leading of our diocese that God was preparing you for something bigger. So think about your crosses. Think of the crosses that you currently have. What's God preparing you for? And what you will learn from this cross for a future cross? We saw this come true many times in not only our life, but the life of other leaders. And we encourage them that pray to get through this cross, for God's guidance to make the right decisions, to make faith-based decisions, because later on you will use what you've learned during that cross to make the next decision. But why am I talking about priests? Our children saw many, many priests, and they saw them as people, as well as our spiritual leaders. One of our parish priests, Father Rick, taught our kids how to play spoons. Rose and I either didn't remember or we just didn't have time. Our kids learned to serve the church by being altar servers, being the live people in a live major scene, and eventually I think all three were altar servers. Like I said, Lindsay even cantered and sang with us in choir. As I stated, they assisted us with many, many of our ministries as our helpers. As a Catholic for only 10 years, we were leading Catholic couples in a marriage ministry in Kansas City. But God placed in our lives many great couples and leaders ahead of us who taught us much. All the way back from those couples in the Christian family movement, leadership in marriage encounter these couples taught us incredible wisdoms many of our table prayers included prayers for those people because they too were in the leadership position we learned the power of prayer not only for those closest to us but for everyone that we are involved with we had a wall, a small whiteboard next to our kitchen table that we would put people's names on uh, especially if Rose was at home and I was gone she would write it down so she wouldn't forget and we would just go through the list after we said grace eventually that whiteboard got as big as the wall because we had so many people to pray for prayer became an integral part of our children's lives but not just the prayer, it was also pointing to them, God answering those prayers. And I really believe God answers our prayers for other people before he answers our prayers for us. I don't know if that's theologically correct, but it's by my experience. So guess, guess what? When I have to pray for something for myself, I ask other people to pray for that. That's community. So you'll hear this later. In 1992, I had to take an assignment where I was gone from home almost every night. I started to miss school events, especially for Jennifer, and it became painful for me to be out of town. Camcorders are no substitute for parents in the chair at an event. So we as a family would start to pray That dad would get a job where he'd be home at night and I think we must have overemphasized home because God moved us back home here to Iowa so we learned that if you're gonna pray for something be really specific because you may get more than you want at the time we loved our parish and we loved where we lived in Kansas City but it also meant we would be home closer to grandparents, and that was a very positive aspect of our move. We had no expectations of moving, but I was moved to Cedar Rapids, and I did not even have to interview for the job. That's the power of prayer. I was reassigned. My manager took over the account here that I was to soon take and all I had to do is ask anybody else in his uh, report if they wanted to move to Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I raised my hand. But that move opened many doors for us. Not only could the kids be babysat by the grandparents with, with our involvement with Marriage Encounter, but we had many friends here in Iowa that would love to babysit. It also meant that we would no longer have to drive five to six hours to and from to visit our families. And it also opened up doors of opportunity to us that we never knew were gonna come. One of those was to become leadership for marriage encounter for four states. Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, and Wisconsin. Our central location here in Cedar Rapids made it easy for us to attend any of the 11 dioceses without having to fly, so we saved the movement money. See, God has a way of knowing what we need as well as what he knows we need in the future. All we have to do is place our trust in him. Prior to our move in early 1993, Kansas City experienced a 15-inch snowfall and the kids literally went nuts they were playing in our yard and I wasn't even home I was on the road well we shared with them that this was the kind of snowfalls we got back in Iowa and they immediately piped up can we move there little did we know that God was clearing the path even with them Our leading and mentoring and marriage encounter eventually led us to be leaders here in the Diocese of Dubuque. This then led us to meeting with the Family Life Advisory Board. So we could explain to them what we were doing, what activities and what communities we had, and kind of give them a a report. Well, after the meeting, Sister Marcy Bloom asked us to continue their quarterly meetings. Hmm this was a gift we weren't anticipating but a few quarters later after a particular meeting Deacon Sean Smith asked me why aren't you a deacon and I said well we've been a little busy with marriage encounter and we really didn't have any available time to look at any other ministry because this was our number one apostolate he asked me what I was doing on a particular day in November of that year and I said Well, I could make that if I took the red eye. (laughs) Well, we went to that information meeting, and that's how I became or was invited to be a deacon. Many people had asked me if I'd ever pondered it for the 10 years prior. But Deacon Sean had a way to get to my heart. Well, you heard that phrase, when God closes doors, he opens others. In this case, it was opening a door in and we saw our time in Marriage Encounter was coming to a close, especially after we began formation in January of 2009. Our children by this time, two were gone, out of college, one was married, and one was finishing her two years of tech school at Kirkwood. So we started to have time again. They were focused on their boyfriends and husbands and classworks and jobs. So we definitely had time to open up a new journey in our life. Bottom line, what have you heard that our children experienced? They experienced a crazy couple, number one, who has been involved in our church for many years. We drugged them to things that they did not want to go to, but we explained to them why they were doing it. Our life was a constant formation and learning of our faith and you know, I tell people I think I learned more about the Catholic faith serving in marriage encounter than I did during my RCIA in Ames so the point of this talk is we are all works in progress and so too are our children once a parent we're always a parent think about that be always Our parents so how do we continue being parents to our children when they grow older well we need to be humble and we need to be full of our faith and the most important thing the archbishop said we need to pray to the Holy Spirit to enliven their hearts now the Holy Spirit is the one who gives a person their faith you can put all the head knowledge in here but the Holy Spirit is the one that works on the heart to connect that soul to God. So as I said, we prayed for our children always. Every day, I would pray and say all their names. When i was with the grandchildren, it gets a little longer. But I start with the oldest and her spouse and their kids, and I finish with the youngest and her youngest child still yet to be born. But I closed that prayer with this phrase, and I don't know where I got this. I've been doing this for so long, I don't remember where I caught this phrase. Keep them on a steadfast path towards your salvation. So far in 39 years, that prayer has been fulfilled. It's been answered. And there have been times when they were challenging Prayer is the most important single best gift you can give your child, no matter what age they are. The second best gift is to love their other parent, your spouse. From that love, especially when kids are young, they experience the security and the love that God gives them through their parents you know there's sayings that you know if a child is not hugged in the first you know three months or whatever it will actually die going back to the three A's affirmation attention and affection affection is critical for newborns but our children when they see our love you could be the poorest family on earth and they would still be happy they may be hungry but they'll be happy because they have their parents love but from that they also see commitment and they see guidance and they see inclusion because we we give our love unconditionally loving our spouse is very important for them to witness what they eventually will go to look for as a young adult looking for a spouse parents You start the day your child is born. Actually, I think now I go back and you start being parents the day they are conceived. I tell parents when I perform their their child's baptism that their children are truly a gift from God to raise in God's love and in his guidance. I tell these young parents to begin praying, if they aren't, for their children every day And it's kind of a two-sided sword, so to speak, or a two-sided gift, I'll call it a gift. Number one, they're praying for their child's needs. Number two, because they're praying, they're fervoring their own faith, especially when we feel we have no control over an illness or something serious. Our praying for our children fervors our own prayer life. As parents, we should pray for God's guidance in them, as well as in us, to be number one, the best parents, but in them, to be instilling the Holy Spirit in their soul so that they continue to follow his commands. You know, what we do, what we say, what we watch on TV, even what we read, our children pick up. So if you're watching the internet, watching anything that is contrary to our Christian faith, even if the children don't see it, they will be affected by it. As parents, our child's faith life initially is as strong as our own faith. So I look back on how strong my faith was when Jennifer came into the world, and then Lindsay and Nally, and it has grown tremendously, but, So too have they they imitate us they imitate what they what they see and I think that's why the archbishop said you know you can instill that they're gonna get confirmed come hell or high water even (laughs) because number one it closes that three-step process into the initiation into the church but it's important because they may not understand The importance of it at the time I still remember during Lamaze classes for Jennifer how they spoke about child development and I wasn't expecting that at all I was expecting okay we got to learn how to breathe and all this stuff but they were teaching us about child development because many of us were first-time parents and they made some facts that I still find hard to believe but that a child's personality Is developed 75 to 90% complete in the first six months. I don't know if they even know their name after six months, but their temperament, how they react, all of that is developed in that first six months. So how much we coddle them, how much we make a fuss over them crying, is really important and that what they're trying to instill in us be parents first then worry about the child so what does that mean that means we need to be a couple first and then a parent for we can't give our child all the time they need from us because number one that wouldn't be fair to them they need to develop their own sense of being For if they attach to one of us, they'll never develop that fully. The bottom line is illustrated is how do we raise them? For how we cuddle them and and fuss over them will be carried on into the next years and decades of life. So, prayer, going back to prayer. We prayed openly with our children, not only at mealtimes or bedtime, but even in other places. For example, the car driving back here for Christmas, holidays, and events. 12 years after I became Catholic, I learned the power of the rosary and Mary's intercession, as well as the intercession of many other saints. On vacation one year, I saw a little icon that had, was just a, a white or a clear acrylic block. And on it was etched, a day wrapped in prayer rarely unravels. On the way home, the kids and Rose were all pretty much asleep or very quiet. And I think it was Mary got me to thinking about that phrase. And I was thinking about my white knuckled drive to and from work in Kansas City every day. And it came to me that I should pray on the way and way to and from work and then a few miles further down the road it was like well, I should really pray the rosary because that would be just about as long as it took to drive so that got me praying the rosary it got to be such a habit that every time I got in the car I would cross myself and I would start with the Creed and then I'd noticed that there were people from work in the car. <laughs> what an invitation. They asked me what I was doing, but it was an opportunity to teach them that there is more to life than just living life. On our travels back to Iowa, we set a rosary the, with the children, and since there were now five of us, three girls and two parents, we could take turns leading the decades. And that's really how they learned how to say the rosary. As I was driving to and from work, my rosary took a different curve than the standard rosary. In between decades, I would say intentions. So like after the first decade, it would be Rose and the kids and their needs. After the second decade, I would do prayers to all those that we were asked to pray for sometimes I would get to work without getting to the third decade but I started doing intentions in between decades and the kids heard these intentions because when we set it in the car I would do the intentions after the fourth decade I always gave prayers to the leadership of our church and the leadership of our nation prayer is the most powerful force on earth Placing all of these prayers during a rosary taught our children the reasons to pray. Many of our prayers were answered and were opportunities for us to affirm that God answered our prayers that we prayed for four or five days or four or five months or a year earlier. You know, God moved us to Iowa was a huge answer That I don't think they'll ever forget they experienced the power of prayer at a young age and I think that built their relationship in our Lord so besides prayer I want to share with you some of the wisdoms we learned from those couples in the uh, Christian family movement as well as marriage encounter and this dovetails right into father rules One of the many gifts we learned in Marriage Encounter was not to teach your kids rules. Teach them your Christian values. There's a big difference between those two. Rules were meant to be broken. I broke all the rules. But values, if they're taught right, are anchored in a person's personality and in their life. And when they violate that rule, they're violating something within themselves. And it's hard. It makes it harder. For example, honesty is the best policy. Well, is that just about telling the truth? No, it's about being responsible. It's about being a whole lot of other aspects that the value of honesty represents. What's underneath those values are typically God's commandments if we teach Christian values. And those values are easy for them to see once we point those out. So it's an opportunity to teach why we value something rather than this is how you're gonna do it while you live in this house. It's a big difference and one of my most humbling experiences was watching our children build on those values their own values it was no longer mom and dad's value set it was their value set and they humbled me to have a better value set than I did when they when I was their age I can't remember how many times I wept up at St. Stephen's seeing our children involved like they were so values are something that our children can grab onto and they can you can teach them what those values mean rather than just a black and white rule as parents <clears throat> we must live those values teaching them by words is not just enough They have to see you living your values in order to make them anchor. So I tell new parents at baptisms the same wisdom. Teach them your values and live your Christian values so they can witness them. Because they'll witness them long before they can reason why they're a value. Our actions speak louder than words. Doubt. All kids will doubt you. (laughs) Like, why do I have to do this, Dad? They'll also doubt the best of teachings, especially when it's coming from their friends or other people that have an influence on their lives. And Archbishop mentioned this. We can't give our children our faith. They have to receive it from the Holy Spirit. We can teach them things and point to things, but it's really their choice, their decision. If their value set is not strong or their faith is not strong or fully developed, these outside tests from friends and other acquaintances may pull them away from our faith. So teaching your children your values and ask your children about their friends' values is a valid question as a Christian parent. Do your friends go to church? And then have that discussion of why we value church and why maybe they don't. And then discuss that from a Christian perspective. Because if their friends don't believe Or have similar values they're either going to be pulled into your child's value set or they're going to pull your children away from your value set our oldest when she was a freshman in college was dating a a boy from our high school an excellent boy the only problem is he went to a non-denominational church that was very anti-catholic and she was being pulled away. So we noticed this when she started attending their youth group, and sometimes she would go to church with him. And she was having these strange questions like, why do we pray to Mary? And other questions about the Catholic faith. Well, her Catholic faith was an obstacle for him. And despite the fact that he was a good man, he was trying to take Jennifer's faith away from her. So one night we had a lot of questions for her and I'm sure she had a lot for us. It seemed like every night she came home from that, she would ask us about five, six questions. Thank God she asked us the questions so we didn't have to go to her. But I said a silent prayer to the Holy Spirit, give me the words. That she needs to hear anytime you're facing a challenge you gotta ask for the Holy Spirit's help she was honest with us in that she was being questioned about all the false teachings of the Catholic Church I wish I had my uh, book from Scott Hahn at the time <laughs> but anyway I assured her that Whatever her decision would be, I would not do what my parents did to me when I became Catholic. But I said to her, we need to answer all your questions, and we have a few questions for you. Again, intercessory prayer was probably the biggest. After we explained intercessory prayer, we realized she was having doubts about her own faith. The Holy Spirit was with me, as I stated to her that others should not judge the Catholic faith if they have not experienced it, because it's a deep faith, it's vast, and it's not just what the preacher says on Sunday, it has centuries of history. I'll say the phrase that, you know, it's the original church, as if that's gonna convince her, but it is the original church. For 15 centuries, everyone was Catholic, if they were Christian, until Reformation. And that's when Luther and all the other Calvinists threw intercessory prayer out, and they threw the bathwater out with a baby, or put that backwards, the baby out with the bathwater. Because intercessory prayer is important in the sacrament of Reconciliation, anointing of the sick, in all the personas of Christ that the priest portrays—that's why we Catholics worship the body and bread as Christ's body and blood. Big difference. So anyway, we were talking with her, answered most of her questions, and I said, "You know, Jen." it's hard to compare the Catholic Church to this gentleman's church because the Catholic Church is the same worldwide yeah it has different traditions in different countries or cultures but the same mass is worshiped all around the world we're one church under God and I said you know because of that we have a lot of experiences when the world when you look at the whole world especially with apparitions of Mary or Jesus himself, like the Mexicans do in, in uh, Mexico. When Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mary, appeared to Juan, and 10 million Indians of Mexico were converted to Catholicism. You, know, you just can't look at that and saying, oh, that's just a bunch of stuff. No, that's... We, we respect that because it's a sign of God's love to this world to bring his people home. So I said, you know, if you look at the church, the Catholic church, and compared it to like fast food, the Catholic church is a smorgasbord of all the different foods around the world compared to a fast food restaurant that just serves burgers and fries. I don't know if she got that analogy. Our priest said, where the hell did you come up with that? (laughs) But it just came to me. I said, you know, it's like, and maybe I was thinking of food. I don't know. But (laughs) it's it's like, how can you touch that? You can't. So I had another grace from the Holy Spirit. Earlier that week, Roseanne and I had received a letter from St. Stephen's that they were having an upcoming Antioch and to encourage our student to go. So I said, well, Jennifer, before you leave this great church, I think you should learn what you're leaving. Understand why you're leaving it. And I said, you know, there's just such an opportunity before you. The Antioch weekend, you would learn what our faith is all about. We would gladly pay her registration. Well, she agreed to go. And on that weekend, she experienced a massive conversion. Yes, mom and dad were praying pretty hard. And we had, I don't remember how many priests we asked to pray for her all that summer. But we had travels and marriage encounter, and we were at a convention where there was over 150 priests I don't know if we got to all 150, but we figured she needs them. She needs their prayers. Well, God answered our prayers with that weekend. She went and refound her Catholic faith, and then got involved in the next Antioch, and then eventually became a peer minister at the Student Center. She even traveled to Mexico to work at an orphanage and then came back and helped them by raising money for bottled water because this orphanage had very questionable water eventually all three of our daughters went on an Antioch weekend at St. Stephen's so properly leading her with the help of the Holy Spirit the other two were brought along and again mom and dad were storming heaven God gives us the words when we need them. if we just ask we just need to turn to him in prayer when we need his guidance and that includes guiding our children's faith and their experiences of Christ our children asked us about every question including sex which we shared was a gift from God, like every day is a gift from God. But sex was something that we are to only share with our spouse. Many of the words that we were given also came from other couples in Marriage Encounter who shared the wisdom of their faith. As parents, we have a fairly short period of time with our children living with us and yet these are their most formable years. We cannot know everything about parenting as only God knows the answers to everything. So we need to consult with him. We need him to guide us and give us the direction that our children need. Hopefully, it will keep them on a steadfast path towards his salvation. So how well are you doing as a disciple of Christ. On the tables, I dropped off a couple of handouts and they're stapled. But the first one is this cross built up of blocks. And these blocks include the seven elements of Christ's life. They are celebration, prayer, relationship, reflection, thanksgiving, ministry, and witness. Our parish, we actually do a covenant every year, and people submit their covenants. And the covenant is basically, I wanna increase in each of these seven. But we shrunk it to five, I think, this last year because it was too much. But you can combine those and still have a good plan for your next year. A good reflection to think about is Not only how well am I living as Christ's disciple, but how well are our children living? And if your children are gone, as Father or Archbishop mentioned, you know, there's not probably a lot of things we can do other than be examples and pray to the Holy Spirit to light a fire in their hearts. Again, I attribute why I'm Catholic to Anne's mother. How she prayed the rosary. But anyway, these questions on the back I'll let you do for homework. So now I'd like to kind of summarize on some of the points that I made. Teach your children how to pray. And teach them how not only just to say prayers but to look for God's answers the more they see God's response the more anchored their faith is going to be gifts children are gifts from God some of our most precious gifts are our children but the best gift a parent can give their child is to pray for them daily and you can still do that today Pray for them and their family. Pray that they find a path, if they're away from the church, to come back to it. And the second best gift is to love your spouse. Number one, the sanctity of marriage is under fire. You know, it's being ripped apart in our secular world. And when we, as couples, represent a strong, vibrant, Christian relationship. thats We become like the little lighthouses, beacons of hope for those that are struggling in their, in their own relationships. And then back to Father Rich's phrase, all is gift from God. Children need to recognize not only are they a gift, but the gifts that God has placed in their, in their bodies and in their minds and in their life. As parents, we need to encourage our children to use these gifts and teach them how to do that every day. Teaching our children faith is more than head knowledge. It takes a heartfelt knowledge. Teach them your Catholic values and then witness those values to them every day. In preparing this talk, I reflected on the last 60 years and how God has blessed me and Roseanne and our family, especially for calling us to serve his church. You know, the Archbishop mentioned it, but he didn't really elaborate on it. But the more we serve, the more we are served. It's it's the two-sided gift of service. Every time I go to Lane County Jail, I walk away with something that God has given me. And the same is true for any ministry that you or your children become involved in. Our, all of our children, bless the Lord, are very active in their own Catholic churches, and they each serve their church in a various way for I think it was because we said yes so often. They didn't know how to say no. I don't know if that's true or not, but we always said yes. He always provides us with the gifts that we need in order to do what we're being asked, including raising our children. So in ending with Father Rich's phrase, all is gift from God. Thank you.